Hello and welcome to the second annual Random Wrestling Review Match Hall of Fame induction. 62 matches were on the ballot this year, including 22 that carried over from last year's ballot, and 40 matches that were covered over the course of 2022 on the podcast. A panel of 15 then each had the chance to vote for 10 matches from that list, with a match being inducted if it gained votes from at least 8 of the panel. All the matches that were on the ballot this year will pass on to the ballot next year, except those that received no votes from our panel, which will now drop off. Over the next hour or so, I will reveal all of the results, including who has been inducted for the 2023 class, and depending on your viewpoint, that is either a tremendous honour or a hollow victory based on us wanting to pump out new content from a bunch of stuff recorded last year. To start with, I'm going to reveal the 13 matches that only received one vote and so therefore missed out on being inducted into the Hall of Fame today. They are, first of all, Lord Stephen Regal versus Brian Pillman and Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat from WCW's Spring Stampede 1994. Two matches from SummerSlam 1997, those being the cage match between Mankind and Triple H and the Intercontinental title contest between Steve Austin and Owen Hart. Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn from ECW Living Dangerously 1999. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage when the Mega Powers collided at WrestleMania 5. Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon in the first round of the King of the Ring tournament of 1993. The triple threat match between Steve Austin, Kurt Angle and Rob Van Dam at No Mercy 2001. The 2004 Royal Rumble match. Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle at WWE Vengeance 2005. The Hell in a Cell match that main evented that show between Batista and Triple H. AJ Styles versus John Cena at Money in the Bank 2016 and Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong at NXT Takeover 25. Okay, so it is time to reveal the first new inductee into the RWR Match Hall of Fame this year, and that is from WrestleMania 10, the legendary ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels over Ramon's Intercontinental title. Now, when I first uh, started watching this one, and this has been a theme for me throughout a couple of these shows now, is is trying to tailor my expectation to the time. And I, I before I even started watching the show, I thought, oh, I'm going to struggle with this ladder match. I, I, I really thought that I was going to have a hard time with it. So I really made a conscious effort of when I first put it on to really concentrate and just thought, right, you're not going to see ladders break. You're not going to see people crashing through 20 tables, anything like that. So just calm it down. And just, you know, strip it back and just enjoy it for what it is. Now, that being said, I thought this match was actually really good. Not only was it really good, but it stood out far more than a lot of ladder matches I can remember over the years anyway. Like, some of the stuff that they did with the ladder was ridiculously creative. Like, to the point of you don't even see it now. And, you know, it just goes to show that you don't have to snap ladders in half. You don't have to get a bigger one and jump off 20 feet ones to to make it mean something. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Shawn Michaels was absolutely phenomenal in this. You know, that, that, that goes without saying... But the one thing that, that I do think is a little bit unfair is I, I don't think Razor Ramon gets enough credit for this because every time I've heard, you know, all the all the compliments for this match is, you know, Shawn Michaels went out to wrestle with the ladder. I call bullshit on that. You know, Razor Ramon more than held his end. And I felt the two of them, you know, worked together. And th- this was fantastic. The first thing, well, one of the first points we made on this this entire podcast back in episode one, Royal Rumble 95, opening match, Razor Ramon versus Jeff Jarrett, was Razor Ramon is cruelly underappreciated as a wrestler. He is 
far far better than he ever gets credit for and you're absolutely right this could not have been as good a match as it was without Razor Ramon this was so we've already spoken about Owen Hart and Bret Hart on this very show you've got this match as well this is the match that pretty much won the whole round of match of the year awards for 1994 the ladder match and I think it's really interesting because there's kind of two counterpoints I want to make for this same thing which is that first of all I think the difference between the two matches is this one has aged a little bit because of what we've seen since and because the extent to which they've taken ladder matches has gone through the roof. This is dated ever so slightly because of those things, whereas Owen Hart and Bret Hart has not. In fact, I think it's as a, it's just got better with age. People have watched it and they've just kind of taken to it even more. But it hasn't aged that much is what I wanted to say as well. Like it is still an excellent match, still dramatic. I think you kind of have to kind of have to watch it a little bit with an eye of this is the first time WWF had done a mainstream ladder match. They had done one, I think, with Brett and Sean on a house show for a video release, I think, in 1992. But this was the first time they'd done a high profile one of them. And the way they utilize the ladder was so innovative, as you said, Matt, that the fans are just like for everything they do that. Like, oh, my goodness. From the very first time they do it, which is the baseball slide that Shawn Michaels does into the ladder, into Razor's stomach. From then on, they're just completely caught up in this match and the moves they do to one another which for the time were extremely brutal and again extremely innovative i think it deserves a heck of a lot of credit and i don't want to you know i'm trying not to kind of let my obvious bias show for owen hart versus Bret hart as a, as a great match which by the way is my match of the night <laughs> but this is still a an excellent excellent match matt hitting it on the head everything matters and that was what like this is we've talked about this recently about the pace of matches but this is these guys are methodically taking their opponent trying to take their opponent apart with the ladder so that they can win the match and they can win the titles well title but obviously there's two hanging up but yeah it's just fantastic Shawn Michaels is just unfucking believable he just knows when to step it up like in terms of his selling more than anything I think he knows when to really throw his body into something like he does is over the top thrown into the corner into the ladder and over the top and he like fuck he must have almost killed himself to be honest and the same for Razor Ramon who takes a bump over the top rope and bear in mind he's I think he's about 6'6 he just takes it flat on the floor on concrete because he'd lifted up the mat mm. and it's just really tremendous I mean this is match of the night on any other card mm. I think probably for the next 10 or so years well let's be honest that's not true <laughs> that's, that's just not true I'm going to retract that immediately but uh, like, certainly anything for this whole year you'd suggest yeah yeah uh, Owen and Brett is my match tonight of course and uh, yeah this is this is a long distant second somehow because it's fantastic and it's also uh, it had a tough act to follow this match because you've just had the classic between Earthquake and Adam Bomb <laughs> so uh, it was always going to struggle to, to yeah. match that classic but somehow somehow did it somehow they did it the one thing that this show is lacking on the network is i've said this before as well the countdown show okay so when you get the vhs they've got the countdown show before the the event itself it's a 25 minute countdown show to the pay-per-view which would have been shown for free i assume to people and it just gives you all the stories 
for why these matches are happening. So they do a little bit of that before the Owen Brett match. They kind of show a little bit of the build up to it, but they show the build up to pretty much all the matches or at least the main matches on the countdown show. And it's, it is lacking that context a little bit, which I think is a real shame because here you've got two intercontinental titles and on the network version, which is the just the pay-per-view itself, they don't show the video package that leads up to this which is that Shawn Michaels obviously was uh, had to vacate the title but never lost the belt and so held on to his intercontinental title belt having been suspended and then when he came back from his suspension he kept hold he had still his intercontinental title claimed to be the real one and that led to this ladder match where both titles were now up for grabs but you know what they do a great they do a great job as well getting rid of Diesel early on just yeah. get him out of there just get him out of there with the original in my at least in my in my experience of pro wrestling the original referee throwing a guy out which by the way is probably one of the most effective ways to get fans into a match is to get yeah. the referee to throw someone out i've never seen one where people just don't go mad for it i've been watching recently all the monday night rules at the beginning of 98 because i wanted to really watch that kind of whole build to wrestlemania 14 just out of interest and i've been doing it and I, you know, when i've got a bit of time here and there and there's one match which means nothing on one of those shows where some Somebody gets sent to the back by one of the referees and the fans are going mad. Yeah, yeah. But this is the first time I ever saw it. It, So it really sticks with me as like a really significant Mm. one. Probably isn't. Probably did it many, many times before this. But to me, it's it's really significant. And what it does really well, though, is serve to get Diesel out of there and just let these two have the match that they were meant to have. And also uh, Earl had that way of getting rid of people where he'd kind of like point point and you know what's coming he's almost he's almost like a baseball pitcher winding his arm up because you know what's coming it's just coming in the crowd yeah the crowd and then then he gets the old double point out and it's like nah and obviously diesel sells it lovely on the uh, broadcast as well you can hear it also he goes you out of here and everyone's just like it's just brilliant it's, and it's the the pause between the you yeah. and the out it's just it's just magnificent earl's magnificent in this show yeah. he is magnificent. It's, it's reminiscent of the scene in naked gun when leslie nelson is playing the uh the baseball umpire <laughs> and he just starts throwing people out because he can't have the third out in the seventh innings because then the ah, queen yeah. might get killed yeah. yeah i said it one more thing quickly as well it's just that the, the has to be said as well because it's particularly a pet peeve of mine in, in ladder matches today and don't get me wrong, I, I get that they have to do it, but when you allow guys, you know, slowly climbing up, you know, they'll look up, try and, you know, try and grab the belt, and then, you know, they'll take another slow step and look up. And don't get me wrong, I, I know there needs to be some of that, but you don't need to do it forever. And they barely did it at this match. I mean, if there was somebody up on the ladder, it, it was because the other guy was down and he was able to climb, and then somebody would come in and cut him off. So, so that's fine. They did that great. There's no need to drag it out for 20 minutes. You know, look up, one rung, look up, one rung. I tell you what helped them with that is the ladder isn't that large. <laughs> No, it's true, though. It really That's is true. true. Like, usually they got that massive fucking ladder that they pull out of nowhere. And now, basically, the top of the ladder is right next to the belt. But here, they use the normal standard size ladder, and they genuinely have to reach the top and still reach for the mm. belts, which probably is a little bit more dangerous. And I think a couple of occasions in this match, you see slight, I mean, ever so slight botches where they come down off the ladder. There's one where after Razor suplexes Michaels off the ladder, the ladder just collapses in on itself because yeah. it's, it's busted. And I think because of his weight distribution in terms of where he is on the ladder. But it does mean that you can make that more believable when you, you have to get all the way to the top and then you still have to reach up and you still have to kind of get a good grip on it. I think that really helps this. I think it really mm. helps. 
triumphs in that respect. I can't believe we almost didn't mention the finish as well, Indeed. which is just fantastic. It's just brilliantly done. Like, obviously, Shawn Michaels is trapped with his left leg in the ropes. And then he gets free and you're like, oh, he's going to fucking get him. And then he gets his arm caught. <laughs> it's just brilliant. And again, like, that's Shawn Michaels. And that's already covered how great Razor Ramon is in this match. But no one could do that but Shawn Michaels, I don't think. Because that, like, that was the kind of thing that Brett wouldn't do because it's not wasn't his style. But Shawn Michaels doing that wonderful stuff. I should add that that match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels managed to get eight votes from our panel, so just about made it with the least amount of votes possible. So we're going to continue on now with our journey. We've got the matches that only managed to get two votes from our panel up next to announce. These are all missed out on making the Hall of Fame this year, but will again be counted on the ballot next so they are the Rock and Roll Express versus the Heavenly Bodies at Survivor Series 1993. Shawn Michaels against David Boy Smith at WWE's King of the Ring 96. The main event of Halloween Havoc 1998 between Bill Goldberg and Diamond Dallas Page. Kurt Angle against Edge at Backlash 2002. Chris Benoit versus William Regal at No Mercy 2006. The main event of NXT TakeOver Fatal 4-Way between Neville, Tyler Breeze, Sami Zayn and Tyson Kidd over the NXT title. John Cena vs. Kevin Owens at Elimination Chamber 2015. Hulk Hogan vs. Andre the Giant at WWE WrestleMania 3. The Fabulous Freebirds vs. the Steiner Brothers at Clash of the Champions 8. The Ultimate Warrior vs. Randy Savage in a WWE title match at SummerSlam 1992. The Undertaker vs. Shawn Michaels at WWE's In Your House 17 Ground Zero. Steve Austin vs. Dude Love at Over the Edge 1998. Just Incredible against Jerry Lynn at Heatwave 98. Juventud Guerrero vs. Blitzkrieg at WCW Spring Stampede 99, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan's match at Over the Limit 2012, and then two matches from NXT TakeOver 25, the ladder match featuring the Street Profits vs. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch vs. the Undisputed Era vs. the Forgotten Sons, and the main event of that show, Johnny Gargano vs. Adam Cole. Now, quite a lot of matches there that only managed to get two votes this time around. And as I say, they will all be on the ballot again next year. So it is now time for me to announce the next inductee into the RWR Match Hall of Fame. This one was voted for by 67% of our panel, 10 votes in total. And it is Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk from SummerSlam 2013. There's a video package next, which is hyping the CM Punk Brock Lesnar match. There's footage of Heyman and Punk talking about their relationship and Punk holding the WWE title. Then there's footage of Heyman turning on Punk at Money in the Bank. Heyman explaining that he did it because without Paul Heyman, Punk is not the best in the world. Not a great explanation, from my my opinion. Then (laughs) Then a brawl between Lesnar and Punk. Lesnar beats him down after a short exchange of moves. Oh, that's, that's great. It was very, it's very good. Like you said, it's a bit flimsy. Yeah. The uh, the reason that he turns on him, but I loved the uh, bit where Paul Heyman is on the ramp and they're obviously talking shit to each other and punks in the ring, and then there's this music hits. Oh, it's fucking great. When they do stuff like that, right? It's very good. It's pretty much always with Lesnar as well, to be honest, because he's the only one that they've got who's everyone's just like fucking shit, mum, wake up. You see that big fucking cunt in the ring? <laughs> oh my god! He beat him um, up, man. He beat him up, that cunt. Oh, fucking hell! He's just a fighter cunt into a ring post. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> I tell you what, 
and, and what disappoints me about it though as i said is that the, the explanation is shit and mm. this isn't like no this isn't anybody this is paul Heyman and cm it punk is paul Heyman, you're right. i expect more from them i expect them to think you know what take that script away i'll think of something better and they they haven't and i that i found that quite disappointing the, the video package is good but that i found really a letdown and they did miss something else i found as well i don't know if anyone remembers it but brock lesnar did a promo on raw in the run-up to this and i think they might have used maybe a line of it in the video package where he just basically talks about how you know cm punk is an mma trainer one mma fighter in training you know he tapes his fist to look hard and you know he, he goes to local you know jujitsu gyms and i'm a former champ and that was such a great promo the brock cut and i felt that that should have been more more of that should have been made of in the package which i don't think they did which was a shame yeah i think you're right there is one line of it i think in there but not much yeah, yeah. So that precedes the CM Punk Brock Lesnar match, which is no disqualification and lasts for 25 minutes. It's got a bit of a busy end. I won't I won't explain it all. I'm sure you guys will talk about bits and pieces of it. But effectively, what happens is that Punk goes after Heyman, locks him in an anaconda vice. But Lesnar then attacks Punk from behind with the chair, hits an F5 onto the chair and then pins him. Old man, what did you make of this? I thought this and I've done quite a bit of thinking about this since i watched it yesterday i think this might be in my top five of all time i remember very vividly so me and tommy and another guy used to live together and i remember tommy came downstairs and i was watching this show so i never really watched before i couldn't remember enough all about it <laughs> but this was literally just about to start and his now wife was upstairs and uh he was just like, oh, I might just watch the first couple of minutes of this. And then we just watched it. We were basically like wanking each other off, to be honest, come the end. And I've watched it once since. And that was probably a couple of years after. It's probably me and Tommy that had a couple of beers. And we watched it again. And I can remember it being good. I remember it being very good. But when I watched it yesterday, I was like, fucking hell. They're just fucking made for each other, these guys. It's absolutely made for each other. This, I think, is Punk's best run in WWE by a distance. I think his match with Undertaker of WrestleMania 29, which is built on an equally flimsy uh, premise as well. They have a fucking barn burner. And he, I feel like at that point in time as well, he gets that match out of the Undertaker and he like really helped the Undertaker elevate. And I think Lesnar proper brings it. Lesnar looks like he's having the fucking time of his life in this match. He's like not, he's not smiling or grinning or anything. You can just see he's having a good fucking time. He comes out of Beanie. I don't I forgot. I'd forgotten about Beanie Brock. Beanie Brock. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, old Beanie Brock. Big Beanie and Brock. Was, yeah. And I was like, yeah, he must be fucking hot. Yeah. I mean, he must put it on. Because he's sweating within four seconds of the match start. Punk is the second most over person in terms of positive crowd reaction on this card. But by probably someone coughing a bit louder during Daniel Bryan's entrance, I think. The crowd fucking love him. I've got barely any notes because I was just fucking in it. I was like, I was balls deep. I had a fist in an asshole. I was, any orifice I could find, I was in there. <laughs> it's so physical. They are beating the piss out of each other and having a great time doing it. There's the uh, Kimura into triangle sequence. So... Uh, Lesnar puts CM Punk into the Kimura and then Punk manages to get him into the triangle. Now, I had a question for you boys because I couldn't be bothered to check. Is this before or after 
Lesnar taker, where Lesnar passes out and he gives Undertaker the middle finger it's when before. he's in the triangle. Before. It is before, isn't it? I thought it was, yeah. So I wrote down, I was like, is this a callback? And they're in brackets. I don't think so. And there is the GTS by Punk, obviously, to Lesnar, that looks fantastic. And then Le- uh, Heyman makes the save. And then, <laughs> I'm laughing me at all. And then Heyman's just on top of him. And he's just like punching him. But he's punching him like an angry toddler would punch someone. So there's no technique. It is fan-fucking-tastic. Then there's, like you explained, Tinky, there's the whole stuff. The F5 to the chair for the finish is without a doubt the best version of this I've ever, ever seen because it looks absolutely fantastic. You've got Lesnar on absolute fucking fire. Punk's on fire. Heyman is incredible. A fantastic story through the whole match. It's fucking unreal. Blew my little pants off. Almost had a stiffy. Match of the night. No question. Uh, Lesnar's my MVP as well. Because he's fucking amazing. But it's all right. <laughs> Matt, before I uh, before I ask you what you thought, at the beginning of the match, I believe it's JBL, cries out, this is a big fight feel. Now, I know you've got some very strong opinions about those words being used on wrestling mm. cards in the past. What did you make of it this time? This was a big fight feel. The, the times with that phrase just come across as so forced. The, the, the crowd could tell you that this felt like a big deal. In in seconds, you know, for, from Brock coming out, and do you know, like, like he said, oh man, Beanie Brock is, oh, he just means business. Mm. He just looks like the most terrifying fucking man on the planet when mm-hmm. he comes up with that hat. So yeah, the the big fight feel, hundred percent, it felt like that. Yeah. And your thoughts on the match? Well, this match was absolutely fan fucking tastic from start to finish. It was, I would put it up there as one of Brock Lesnar's best. I would put it up there as one of CM Punk's best, certainly during his WWE run. They were both on fire during this. And there are so many, so many things I can say about this that, that I liked about it. A couple of things. The sort of story for me was Brock seemed really pissed at the fact that, you know, Paul was working with this guy and he was the best, you know, calling himself the best in the world. And, you know, Brock was like talking throughout the match saying like, you know, this is your boy. It's almost as if he's getting offended at the fact that, you know, who the fuck is this guy? I'm better than him. And he was out there to prove it. It was just physical. It was intense. The exchange of sort of MMA holds. I mean, again, I'm a little bit biased as far as that goes, but I loved it. Uh, The triangle finish do you know what? That crowd would have bought that as a finish. And do you know what? I would have too. If Punk had made Brock tap to the triangle, I think it was the second time he had it in it, I would have had no problems if the if that was the finish because they were ready to believe it. And it felt like that could have been the end. And I would have been all for it if it was. And I actually, after the, the match, I was thinking, fuck, I so would have been okay if Punk would have won. And that's, that was potentially going to be one of my talking points. I, I would have been okay with that. But anyway, I digress. The power bomb off the off the triangle was absolutely brutal. The the finish at the end where sort of, you know, Punk had Paul's tie and was holding him on the ring apron. And, you know, Brock couldn't see that he had the tie and was going, you know, like, you know what the fuck are you doing, Paul? You know, like, let him, you know, let me go. So, you know, Lesnar was thinking, you know, Paul's out to screw me. And was getting pissed off. That caused him to get hit to the GTS. Fantastic 
fantastic false finish. Like you said, uh, oh man, that F5, bloody hell. I'm amazed Punk isn't still spinning to this day the amount he, he fucking threw him around. That was brutal. He was just, it, it, it was such an amazing match, which for me is why it's my match of the night. I was really torn between either having Brock or Punk as my MVP of the night. I'm slightly leaning towards Punk in this case. Um, And the only thing that makes me incredibly sad once the match was over, they would have had one hell of a series. And it's a fucking shame that we never got to see them run it back because this was epic. I don't think it is one of their best matches of all time. I think it is their best match, both of them. I think it is. It was certainly in WWE. I can't really speak to a lot of Punk's career from the Ring of Honor stuff because I haven't seen a lot of it. But in terms of his WWE career, it's his best match, in my opinion. I think it's Brock's best match at WWE. I think it's the match of the night, contrary to what I thought nine years ago when I watched it. I think it's possibly the best match of the decade. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I think it's a like legitimate, absolute stone cold classic. Absolutely phenomenal that match. And the, there's a few things I wanted to pull out on top of what you have. So first of all, there is a bear hug in this match, which genuinely looks painful. Yes. Brock Lesnar does it to CM Punk. Never seen a bear hug that looks painful before. This one does. Lesnar hits a running powerbomb. What a phenomenal move that is. I haven't seen that since the days of D'Lo Brown. And old Brock Lesnar does it on Punk here magnificently. The thing that really makes it, though, is that when this match starts, I think there's a genuine concern from everyone involved is that they aren't going to be able to sell the idea that this is a fair fight because Brock Lesnar is much bigger than CM Punk. Brock Lesnar has the legit fight background. CM Punk does not. Maybe the reason why they cut it out of the the video package, that Lesnar thing, because it would have only added to that sense of this is a bit of a mismatch in it. This is a bit silly. Mm-hmm. But at no point, at no point did it feel like a mismatch. At no point did it feel unbelievable that they were having this match and that they were they were able to compete with one another in this way. It comes down to almost the first two or three minutes. Punk hits a series of knees. And the last one, Lesnar falls to the outside. It looks brutal. Lesnar sells it magnificently with the bump that he takes. And it immediately puts you in the mode of, OK, it's on. This is this is going to be an absolute war from start to finish. And CM Punk is right in it. And that's what makes it so good, because from there, it's just phenomenal. They work so fucking hard. This is the thing that I think people miss about Lesnar is he just works incredibly hard it's not just about also what he does but he's in the middle of the ring like to your point Matt where he's like say this is your boy like all of these mannerisms as well these are like expert veteran level things that he's doing you know he's he's absolutely in the moment selling the occasion selling his own emotion as the character that he's portraying hell maybe he even feels that way but that's part of it that's part of it. You know, you have to kind of make yourself believe it because then it comes out when you're in the ring. It, you, you act in that way. Brock Lesnar is my, my MVP of the night for, for all the reasons that I think, old man, you said. And the fact that I think he has to do more work than Punk to make this feel like a fair fight because he's the bigger guy. He has to sell for Punk. He has to go through stuff. He has to look surprised when Punk comes at him. He has to you know, really sell the idea that Punk could beat him. 
and he does he manages to get that idea over and it's just in stark contrast to the way he worked against for example dean ambrose a couple of years later like where he just he had no there was no motivation in him to try and make dean ambrose look his equal i presume because he just doesn't respect dean ambrose he obviously respects the punk because you just can't do this job without kind of putting everything into it yeah it is just phenomenal there's maybe an argument maybe an argument the stuff with Heyman at the end maybe detracts a little bit from it and I, I would have some sympathy for that argument, except it does seem to fit this whole thing. This is not really a feud between Brock Lesnar and CM Punk. It's a feud between mm. Paul Heyman and CM Punk. So he kind of has to be involved in some way in the end. It also does protect CM Punk somewhat. Not only is it, for me, Punk's best match in WWE, it's also his last great match in WWE, because obviously he left the company in January. And it was really good to see CM Punk go back and watch this time of CM Punk's career because it's easy to forget how good he is. I don't think he's hit these heights in AEW since he's been there. He looked sharper and more just just on it at this point than than I think he has been. And understandably so. He was away for got nine years or whatever it is from the from the ring. You can't I can't blame him for that. But ultimately it was good to go back and remember just how good he was. And this is just it's just phenomenal. And it did make me sad too, Matt, because I thought, God, here's look at these look at these four men in the in the two main events. Lesnar, Punk, Brian and Cena. We do get some Lesnar and Cena stuff. There is a match between Lesnar and Brian. But a series of matches between Lesnar and Punk, a series of matches between Lesnar and Brian, we're missing it. We're, we didn't get it because Brian got injured and Punk fucked off. And it's such a shame because they would have had probably a number of absolute classics. But yeah, this is phenomenal. The shenanigans at the end with the Heyman distraction, that reeked to me of we want something in the bank. Yeah, maybe. Because we might want to revisit this. And obviously they didn't. I will never know whether that was going to be the plan for WrestleMania 30. I, or the Rumble, because uh, Lesnar did have a, a pretty cracking match with the Big Show at the Rumble <laughs> the following year. This that lasts about two well, and a half minutes. There's a couple of things there. First of all, I don't know if it's about whether they want to continue CM Punk and Brock Lesnar. They probably would have done at some point, mm. but they had planned to extend this feud between Heyman and Punk right the way through to October, and Punk fought Ryback, of all people, for the next couple of months yeah. in order to do that. We know that it wouldn't have been Punk versus Lesnar at Rumble because Punk was at the rumble he walked out the day after and we know from what punk and daniel bryan have said since that punk was due to face triple h at wrestlemania and bryan was due to face sheamus so that that was the matches they had planned for them i think brock lesnar undertaker was always the plan for wrestlemania 30 mm. but at some point they would have got back to it it, it might have been the following year SummerSlam. it might have been the year after that at wrestlemania but at some point they would have gone back to it whatever the case it just glad that we got it because it is absolutely phenomenal one I, I agree with you man i think it may be in my top five matches of all time it's that good and i was stunned when i watched it this time because as yeah. i said i remember believing quite firmly that daniel bryan johnson was a better match that's a great match but it, it to follow this it just yeah. it couldn't it could it only just managed it because this was so good i don't even remember it being this good like no. i don't even remember it being no, I don't. half this good no, I don't. And it was, it is, but it is, it is so good, so good. Yeah, it's very rare that I watched. So we had this. It was me. It was me. I think it was you, Matt, and James when James hosted, and we had a Daniel Bryan CM Punk match from a pay per view that I can remember. Over the limit. Over the limit. Well done, Matthew. It was a good job you pay attention to that. <laughs> and uh, that was fan. Oh, it's fantastic. It couldn't even lick this one's dick. 
No, I, I watched that. I, I didn't, obviously yeah. wasn't on the show, but I did watch it. I, I wasn't as impressed as you guys were when you were talking about it. Yeah. I did think it was a good match, a really good match, but I didn't mm. think it was quite as good as you guys made out. This, if you were talking about this in that way, I would have been like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I almost uh, had to like revisit my top five in my head, but it changes so much. I was like, I'll waste half a day and it's hot. <laughs> so I decided against it. It's funny, right, because I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it because... I can tell you right now, like off the top of my head, I, I still remember my favorite Brock Lesnar match. Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, SmackDown Iron Man match for the WWE Championship. Still my favorite ever Brock Lesnar match. I wonder if it hold up compared to that now. That'd be interesting to see, but that that still stands as my uh, as my personal Brock mm-hmm. favorite. So coming up later in this show, I will be, of course, announcing all of the matches that got no votes and therefore will fall off the ballot next year that will come a little bit later right now what i'm going to do is list off the matches that had three votes from our panel and those that had four matches from our panel there are six matches that managed to get three votes 20 percent of the panel voted for we've got steve austin versus ricky steamboat at clash of the champions 20 bret hart versus the undertaker at SummerSlam 1997 two matches from nxt takeover chicago 2 they are the undisputed era versus delhi birch and only lorkin and the Chicago street fight between Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano in the main event of that show. Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect at WWE King of the Ring 93. And Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed at AEW's All Out 2022. Four matches managed to get four votes from our panel. That's 27%, so still not enough to meet the threshold to get an induction into the Hall of Fame. They are The Midnight Express versus The Southern Boys at Great American Bash 1990. Randy Orton versus Batista versus Daniel Bryan in the main event of WrestleMania 30. Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 6. And then Daniel Bryan versus John Cena at SummerSlam 2013. Okay, so it is time to announce the third inductee into this year's RWR match Hall of Fame class. And it is a match from WrestleMania 26 that was voted for by 73% of our panel, 11 votes in total. It's The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Let's go to the main event. Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, a match that was one year in the making, I guess, ultimately, after their WrestleMania 25 clash. It's a 24-minute contest. It's the no-disqualification streak versus career match. And it sees the Undertaker win the match after a tombstone, uh, after Michaels drags his thumb across his, his throat as he looks into the Undertaker's eyes and the Undertaker tombstones him for the victory. It's not a tombstone, Tinky. It's a fucking tombstone thing it's in with because yeah my god oh my god we'll get to it but my god so i wanted to pull this match out for a, a number of reasons first of all it's my match of the night which probably i'm assuming going to be yours too unless one um, of you loved bret hart versus vince man well funny you say that <laughs> <No>. <laughs> do you know do you know what like i i think if this match wasn't so good despite the fact that i just spent you know god knows how long moaning about it i'd probably have to because it's the only time i'm going to see bret hart in a match but this match obviously pips it for match tonight just it's also Shawn michaels last match in very commas but it's not obviously because he's now since come out of retirement which was very very disappointing because we thought we'd seen it we thought we'd seen mm. his very last one um but in fairness i think we can pretend that so that later match didn't happen because it was such a- uh, until this year with the elimination chamber i've always counted the the saudi shows as like pre-season friendlies they don't really count they're not canon so <laughs> i don't and i've never watched any of them so 
in my mind, never happened. The idea that there's a cannon in WWE is a tremendous shout there, Tom. I, I think they left that behind many, many years ago. I know they did, but I didn't. Ah, then that's fair. Which is why that's I get fair. so upset when they completely ignore the cannon that they don't acknowledge and only I think about. <laughs> I think, to be honest, I think the wrestlers think of the Saudi Arabian shows as not being canon as well, because I think that's probably the only reason Shawn Michaels allowed himself to do it, was he's like, well, it's not really part of the actual, it's not It's not a real show, it's just a fake thing that we're doing on the side. And then the third reason I wanted to bring it up is I don't think it's quite as good as I thought it was. So I do think it's a very good match. I do think it's the best of the night. I do think it's, you know, a good 8 out of 10, certainly. You know, I, I so that's very high praise because I don't give that many matches that high. Don't think it's a great match. I don't think it's an absolutely legendary match. I think it kind of gets that. There's this thing where which I find happens a lot in films as well but wrestling in particular where some people like to be contrary and say the second match is better than the first or that the sequel is better than the first one it's not it's not better than the first one (laughs) and it's 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 good it's very 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 good it's just not absolutely brilliant it's struggles i think in some ways because of the previous match you know i think that previous match there's five minutes of that match and then it's just drama all the way this is 15 minutes or so of a match where it's trying to hit those levels of drama but not quite doing it because no one no one can imagine it will end so early after what happened the year before and so they have to do more to hit the heights to hit the dramatic heights and they don't get there soon i like the end I do think the end is done very, very well. And I think there's two ways you can read it as well, which I think is really cool, which is one, the Undertaker tombstones him, Shawn Michaels kicks out, and then the Undertaker sort of drags him to his feet that Shawn Michaels is defiant in the face of the Undertaker and saying, you know, you, you, you'll never keep me down. Or the other one is that he's saying, finish it. I'm done. Just finish me. I think you could read it either one of those ways. And so I think that makes it even more impressive. I think it's, that's a great bit of work, great bit of art. But as for the overall, don't think it's as good as the previous year. And I don't think it's quite as good as I had originally believed it was. I still liked it a lot. Still thought it was very good. But mm-hmm. but I was, it basically, I had a high, a very, very high standard to reach if it was going to be as good as I thought it was and it wasn't quite there. I was anticipating thinking, being a bit disappointed with this. Okay. Because this is the one match that I've definitely watched since we went. And I remember thoroughly enjoying it. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's impossible not to compare the matches impossible mm. because especially they the commentators won't uh, won't let us forget that and they also won't let us forget that there's over 70,000 people at the uh, at the event which I think is the most said comment in the show about the 70,000 people but um they do this nice thing with the knee so Undertaker tweaks his knee and I think it just changes the dynamic of the match enough so it we know what's happening Everyone knows what's happening. Their main event. Everyone knows what's happening. It's going to be Shawn Michaels. He's going to be, that's going to be the final scene. It's him walking back through the curtain and he's done. We know that. But they get everyone completely invested in it. And the fact that they managed to do that is quite astonishing, really. Because I can remember being balls deep in it when we were there. Just absolutely balls deep in it. And it's, I think it's great. Like you said, Tiki, it's nowhere near as good as their match before. But I think that we talked about Bret Hart and Owen Hart last week. I think their first match, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels' first match, is just a a nuts pube short of that level. So I think it 
it had an impossible task in terms of the comparison to the previous year, but it also had quite an easy task because of everything that's gone before on this card, I think, yeah. as well. And I think it, it gets elevated because of that as well. Because the only match I think that's even close to it in terms of any sort of drama is the Cena Batista match, which is directly before it. But yeah, this is great. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I wrote something down that I was going to say, and I can't read it, but it was probably great. So yeah, great. I've got a question for you guys. Has The Undertaker's drunk boxer staggering with the old fists going is there anybody better than that in wrestling because <laughs> it is phenomenal his because he genuinely looks he looks like he's fucked and done mm. this match is incredible i love it again it's not the first match and the thing that is so magic about the first match is i don't think any of us i think even the most ardent the undertaker is on a streak of having incredible matches at wrestlemania at this point right in the middle of it Shawn michaels we know is one of the best wrestlers of all time even with that in mind we didn't know how good that match was going to be at wrestlemania 25 i think it caught us all by surprise as to how good it actually was i want to give a shout out to the video package at the beginning because the flute in that video package is titanic-esque it's absolutely amazing work in the video package undertaker's got a cracking tan he's been out enjoying the sun in phoenix and one thing i can remember so vividly from this as well is feeling the heat from the flames in undertaker's entrance that's how close we were to it it's absolutely amazing there's also a side in the crowd that says hbk streak break kid which It's crap, but I enjoyed it. I think there's there's a real big fight feel to this. One of the earlier incarnations of the old big fight feel, I think. A rare unlesnared big fight feel if you will and it's just great there's a, an unbelievable last ride from the undertaker in it he hits one in the first match which is nuts and he hits one in this one which is even madder just so high and there's a great moment where h2k hits a super kick on taker and he kicks out and the timing of the undertaker's kick out is absolutely magnificent and the false finish after a tombstone by michaels blows the fucking roof off the place and this match is 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 an absolute clinic in high spots and then just slowing slowing everything down again the exact opposite of that ecw match pay-per-view we watched the other week where it's all just frenetic 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 these two know what the fuck they're doing in a wrestling ring they've got the crowd eating at the palm of their hand it's just absolutely magnificent i know we talked about the ending that ending the throat slit and the slap and the look on the undertaker's face and that fucking tombstone are just absolutely incredible and take a pause of hbk they have a little moment everyone's crying everyone's crying in the crowd <laughs> i'm pretty sure we're in the crowd i think pretty sure we can hear us trying to get an irs chant going in the background um, <laughs> but it's just amazing the bit a bit where he walks up the ramp he says to the camera i'll be driving my kids nuts in three weeks is a lovely touch and it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah no it's a very very good match and and just for the record i am giving him my mvp too Shawn michaels this is the last match it's a very 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 good match and it would be a signifier of what we would no longer have at wrestlemania which was almost a guaranteed good match at wrestlemania and also given what we've seen in the jericho edge match no no guarantees in the future from them to them two chances so yeah i, I totally uh, you know that it, what that was 
partially the the problem is that he was going to go i i felt like you know you said about how it's obvious we were going to get like the last match for Shawn michaels i think it was quite obvious but i also thought i could definitely see as an audience people talking themselves into him not having his last match because the streak being lost would feel just as big or almost as big and certainly when it finally did go and given what we talked about on our wrestlemania 30 episode last year like it was massive so you know i could i could kind of see how people could talk themselves into that and i, I certainly don't know if i was 100 percent certain that this was going to be Shawn michael's match last match at the time difficult to know mm. well that's the thing with memories isn't it you can just make them up i knew i knew exactly how it was going to finish <laughs> the, the length of the match i knew everything Shawn michaels is in the ring having a good time with his terrible terrible hair and we were me and him were different were at the same stage of our hair at this point <laughs> me and Shawn michaels he's got multiple partings i had multiple partings i'm a great worker he's a great worker <laughs> there's there's not I'm, much in it there's not much in it but he just no. about just about shades you just about in fairness i haven't seen it but by all accounts that match that he comes back for in saudi arabia i could have probably had that match and it been as good <laughs> and you look um, very yeah. similar to him as well like. <laughs> <laughs> so uh sean michaels gets picked up by the undertaker and then driven into the ring post back first obviously and uh Matt Stryker says, oh, of course, the famous back of Shawn Michaels without any context. And then Michael Cole gives some context about the back injury that gets him out for five years and all that. But poor Matt Stryker. He's had a tough one. He's had a tough one at yeah. this show, apparently. Yeah. He doesn't. He also fit. He doesn't. He feels completely out of place mm-hmm. in the sense that it's Matt Stryker commentating on the whole of the WrestleMania show. In the past, I could have been like, okay, he's doing the SmackDown matches or he's doing the ECW matches. Get that? I don't. You know, I don't really want to hear him, but fine. But no, he's on the whole damn show, and he's got to mm. carry part of it because Jerry Lawler's there with them as well, being lazy. He even does the introduction to one of the matches. Well, I don't know whether my Michael Cole had to go for a shit or what? But I was like, fuck no, is he going to lead this match? Luckily, he doesn't. Going back to what you were saying about whether or not you knew beforehand whether Shawn Michaels was going to win or not, if you didn't know, then you were probably pretty certain when they advertised just before the match, Shawn Michaels' (laughs) My Journey DVD set. (laughs) Fucking dickheads, aren't they? Before I announce the final inductee into this year's RWR Match Hall of Fame class, got a lot of business to take care of so first of all i wanted to remind everyone of the nine matches that are already in the hall of fame of course they were voted in last year they are mike awesome versus masato tanaka ecw one night stand 2005 hell in the cell match between triple h and cactus jack at no way out 2000 the two out of three falls tag team title match between the heart foundation and demolition at SummerSlam 1990 sasha banks versus bailey at nxt takeover brooklyn Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho at WrestleMania 19. Also at WrestleMania 19, Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle. The cage match between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros at AEW All Out 2021. Daniel Bryan versus Triple H at WrestleMania 30. And the 1992 Royal Rumble match, which was obviously won by Ric Flair. In addition to that, we've still got a few matches to cover the results of that didn't make it into the Hall of Fame this year. Starting with those matches that did manage five votes this year on the ballot that's 33 percent of our panel voting for them they are randy savage versus the ultimate warrior at wrestlemania 7 savage versus steamboat at wrestlemania 3 jushin liger versus brian pillman at super bowl 2 and the main event of SummerSlam 92 davy boy smith versus bret hart for the intercontinental title there were no matches that received six votes in the voting this year but one match 
just missed out if it had got one more vote it would have been inducted into the hall of fame this time around it is mr perfect versus bret hart at SummerSlam 1991 the intercontinental title match there now one more piece of business before we reveal the final hall of fame inductee for this year there are 13 matches didn't get a single vote this time around and will drop off the ballot three of which were on last year's ballot and received votes but this year received none they are vader versus dave boy smith at slambury 1993 steve austin versus mark merrow at king of the ring 1996 and edge versus triple h versus jeff hardy at armageddon 2008 the other 10 matches were all new to the ballot this year they include the 1990 royal rumble match lex luger versus sting at super bowl 2 Bret Hart versus Bam Bam Bigelow at the King of the Ring 93, Sting versus Vader versus the Guardian Angel at Full Brawl 94, Rated RKO versus Degeneration X at New Year's Revolution 2007, John Cena versus Batista at WrestleMania 26, the Elimination Chamber match between Edge and Rey Mysterio, Kane, Drew McIntyre, Wade Barrett and The Big Show at Elimination Chamber 2011, Roman Reigns versus The Big Show at Extreme Rules 2015, and two matches from AEW All Out 2022. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Adam Page and the Dark Order and John Moxley versus CM Punk. Okay, we've got through all of the business we had to get through. So now it's time to announce, I guess, the headliner of the 2023 RWR Matches Hall of Fame induction ceremony. This one got 87% of the vote from our ballot. 13 of, of the 15 people involved in voting this year voted for this into the Hall of Fame. It's from WrestleMania 10, the opening match of the night, Bret Hart versus owen hart i'm not going to make any comment for now i'm going to wait and let you all talk about it first and why don't we start with you tom seeing as this is why you're here i don't know if anything that i say can do this match justice other than say to say it is absolute perfection not only from the in-ring action but from the storyline of the book and going into it interestingly enough the storyline was originally pitched by bruce hart and it was supposed to be him versus brett imagine the shit house we would have got if that was the case a big fucking bruce hart and the stupid aviators came down that would have been infuriating this match is perfect everything about this match and when i say that i mean everything from the commentary to earl hebner as the referee to it being in the garden to the crowd reaction everything about this match is 1000 percent perfect it's a technical masterclass from both wrestlers there's not one single error in the entire match every move is perfect there's some there's some moments in it i could spend about three hours talking about owen hart's german suplex in this match because it is the best german suplex you will ever see and i i specifically wanted to mention that because i for wrestling perverts out there like us a german (laughs) suplex with a good bridge or any kind of suplex with a good bridge is one of the most satisfying things to to see in wrestling and you guys touched on it last week discussing juicy like versus uh, brian pillman and old man mentioned it and i just heard you in the background matt go oh yes (laughs) 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 which i was a big fan of because you can't help it and tinky and old man did it just then when i mentioned it it's wonderful (laughs) there's a pile driver from bret hart which is absolute perfection the suplex off the top rope from brett to Owen is is magnificent. The the way that the the match starts with Brett like out wrestling Owen Hart and then Owen Hart becoming the real aggressor and, and realizing that he's got a chance to win the match after he like noticed Brett Hart's injured his leg and through the, when he does the when he does the dive the or the kind of the slingshot over the top rope and the kind of the switch in the match the aggression which Owen Hart has it's just everything about it is absolutely wonderful best match ever I'm saying I'm putting wow. it out there. 
there you go and that's why thomas wanted to be on the podcast because he wanted to Mm. wanted to put that out there the the main reason as well is that next week we're going to be talking about another match involving braha and i can't and i can't have us talking about that without me having at least a mention of this match so i needed to i needed to be here for this yeah that's fair enough and you've already given away what that episode's going to be on last week's episode (laughs) so uh (laughs) most people will know already what we're talking about there why don't we go to you next matt Wow, what a what a love letter to to the opener that was. I I, I don't think I'm going to be able to follow that. Um, th- this was interesting for me because, as some of you may or may not know, I haven't seen an awful lot of Bret Hart or Owen Hart matches to the point of I've had many people many times uh, give me recommendations on Twitter of, of you know different Hart matches to watch. And do you know what? After finally seeing this one, I sort of went at the end of it, huh? This is what everybody's been talking about. Okay. And they're absolutely right. This was pretty fucking brilliant. Thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) This was great. I mean, after all the years I've heard people bang on about how great these guys are, I I almost resisted it just out of just being an ignorant idiot for for a long period of time. But good God, this was great. I mean, Brett is awesome. This was some of the first stuff of Owen I've ever seen. Owen was awesome. The stuff they did in there, you know, was so technical, so Chris, you, you you can't fault it. it. It really does rank up there as one of the best openers. I I didn't know the match result in advance, believe it or not. So I was actually a little bit surprised. And then I kind of remembered what happened throughout the show afterwards. I was like, oh okay. Um, but at first I was like, oh, I was a little bit taken aback. But opening match quality, absolutely one of the best there's ever been. I can't tell you how much I envy you getting to watch this for the first time and not knowing the finish because. Every time I watch this, don't know how, I forget the finish. I think it's because I just get so invested in it. And like kind of touching on what Tommy said about how the like role sheet is the thing where like Bret Hart is and it's not acknowledged by the commentators, but Bret Hart is only doing wrestling moves. And then Owen slaps him and he slaps him back. And fucking hell, does he slap him as well? And that's when it kind of all flips. It doesn't go up a gear because it can't go up a gear. But it just changes the whole dynamic of the match. And it's just fucking amazing. I have one, there's one bum note. Why is Bret Hart come out wearing that little pervert jacket? Because <laughs> it's all long and flappy. And I was like, Bret, Bret! <laughs> go get him, champ. Yeah, but not you're, in that. You're coat. right there. You're right there. It's the second worst coat he's ever worn. The <laughs> other one is the pink one. The pink kind of. Oh, interesting. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's a... the. Yeah, I thought you were going to say it's the felt one because he's got that kind of felty one, isn't he? No, because <laughs> that's that's the weird. That that's more of a heart foundation thing, and they both uh... wear them with like berries. <laughs> Um, but the um, the but the the one that I'm to talk about is it's like a pleather a pink like fake leather plastic coat and I think he wears it it might be at something like Summer Sam Night too I can't remember but it is disgusting it's horrible and this is the second worst one at least it's black we got that yeah so I'm not going to take everything because we need to leave some meat on the bone for Tinker well mind you there's enough meat to go around but uh, I just want to give the last little nod I want to give is to Earl Hebner for the count. The count is so perfect because it's so exaggerated because they know what this is going to do to the crowd and everyone watching. So he's so he winds his arm extra high, <laughs> hits the mat extra hard for that three. And everyone's like, oh, shit on it. It's not Brad's night. Lex Luger's going to be champ. Oh, no. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. A quick note. The ring announcer's mullet is 
fucking amazing as well. <laughs> no idea who it is, but my God, it's beautiful. Bill Dunn, I think it is. That is actually the one thing. The one thing that is missing from this is the thing. That's the one thing missing from. It. I don't know. Is he? Is he actually a ring announcer or is he a celebrity they've got? In? He's not a celebrity, I don't think. But he's. I. I don't think I've ever seen him on any other show, which is really weird. No. But uh, I'm. I'm just very familiar with him because he's the announcer for this match and two matches later on in the show. So it's all a bit odd, but I don't know. And he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. No, exactly. No. <laughs> I want to start where you started, where you were talking about there at the end with Earl Hebner, because not just that one count at the end, it's every count in this match. He is smashing his hand as hard as he possibly can. I'm so familiar with this this show that even the sound of Earl Hebner's hitting the mat sticks with me, just stays with me. It just is so familiar to me. It's really odd. There's something they must have mic'd that ring in a specific way for this night because it just it feels like it stands out more than I've ever felt it stand out in a wrestling show during during this one. And he's just phenomenal all the way through. It's just absolutely phenomenal. But of course, he's got nothing on the two men in the ring. And all of my notes, the word that I use the most is the word perfect, because it's just perfect. It is just perfect. I watched it this time because, as most people know by now, I should imagine, this is my favourite match of all time. So this is this is going to be very difficult for me to watch and for to hear Matt say it was all right, bit overrated. But thankfully, didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, Matt. There was a chat last week that was a genuine concern. <laughs> Go was, yeah, it's like if he says his crap, then he's off the show. Um, <laughs> I watched this time with a view to finding problems with it because I wanted to see. I wanted to test it. I was like, you know what? I've 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 bathed in the glory of this match for too long. Let me see if I can find anything wrong with it. And I found one issue, and it's not the it's not his uh, jacket. It's one very very small issue, and it's the timing on the low blow that Owen Hart does because Earl Hebner is slightly out of position doesn't quite make it to the point where he's next to Brett and Owen and therefore can't see the low blow they they get away with it you could, you could easily get away with it and I am absolutely nitpicking the hell out of it because that's the only thing I could find it was literally the only thing that I could find in the whole match the story is phenomenal as you've all touched upon the fact that it gets more personal because Brett's trying to wrestle it to start with. They build the idea really well, even in the commentary about how Brett is kind of potentially underestimating his brother in this match because they want to protect him, but not too much. So they're kind of giving him an out, but not too much of an out. The victory for Owen is tremendous because of what comes later on and just instantly feeds into what comes next in the WWF storyline. The way he wins, it means that Brett's got another out because it's not, like he's been decisively beaten he's just been he just made a mistake ultimately Brett's just made a mistake in the final moments of the match and it builds in really well to what fans will have seen at the in the final of the king of the ring the previous year where Brett wins the king of the ring with this very move he would beat Bam Bam Bigelow with the victory roll so people at the time would have been perfectly excited excited and on the kind of cusp of thinking oh Brett's going to win this now because he's going to do the victory roll and then Owen to step into it it's just perfect everything about it's perfect Perfect. All the moves you said are perfect. And the most perfect move of the whole night, which none of you have mentioned, is the bulldog. Never seen a bulldog as good as this. It's the best bulldog you'll ever, ever, ever see. No one will ever do a bulldog this good. It's just wonderful. It's just absolutely wonderful. Just thinking that. <laughs> it is magic. When's the last time you've seen somebody actually execute a bulldog in a match? As soon as I saw it, I was like, wow, I haven't seen that in forever. It's just 
absolutely like amazing i don't know what I, there's not a lot i can say about it other than to say it's just the best match ever i agree with tom it is the best match ever in my mind there are more flashy matches okay there are longer matches there are more important matches there are matches in front of bigger crowds that have drawn bigger attendances and bigger pay-per-view buy rates there are matches involving bigger stars there are all kinds of things that you could argue are better than this but in my mind this is phenomenal and they don't even do anything like in terms of they don't do any like moonsaults they don't do any moves you've not seen quite regularly there's a pile driver a german suplex a bulldog you know figure four leg lock couple of sharpshooters a couple of inseguries they're not underselling any moves it's not like you might get a match now from any company where they have to hit seven or eight different types of finisher to build the drama they just get the drama out of moves that they use every day and it's just magnificent the other thing that i so my thing has always been there's always been so close between austin and brett at wrestlemania 13 and this match as my favorite match of all time and i was thinking about it after i watched this match earlier today and i thought to myself what is it about this match that is completely different to every other match is that it's just pure wrestling there's no shenanigans going on side both of them even owen hart does the match within the rules with the exception of the low blow everything is done within the rules there's not a moment where owen hart goes to grab a chair or a ring bell it's pure that's what i think about the match it's it's entirely pure it's wrestling as it should be it doesn't need to be anything it doesn't need any high spots it doesn't need these you know like you said tinky a moonsault or a splash or anything it doesn't need anybody coming into the outside Bret Hart takes the pin clean you can kind of say oh he's outsmarted or he made a mistake that that led Owen to win there's no way for it to basically anything other than it is which is a perfectly clean finish and what I love about the end of the match after the match when they do the post-match which I wouldn't mind including as part of this with the exception of Owen Hart's horrible little bit of spittle which is dried in the corner of his mouth which is so horrible just wipe your mouth just wipe (laughs) your mouth please this kills me every time I see it it's so distracting and he does balls up the interview a little bit a couple of times he says well I'm going to beat you at Wrestlemania I just beat you at Wrestlemania and then he looks devastated with himself <laughs> poor guy but he he acknowledges he's there's a bit where he says I beat you I beat you and I'm not taking away from, anything away from you you're a great wrestler but I've beat you and it's just a, it's just a perfect postscript to the, to the match as well I, I absolutely adore this match wonderful 